Are you watching closely? Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? Getting out of this sick society. Society. <laughs> society, man. Society. 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 You know, society. I'm not always negative, but sometimes the negative is easier to voice. The Netflix series The Society is wonderful. A modern update of the Pied Piper of Hamlin posing as a more dialogue-heavy Lord of the Flies. The society offers up a couple hundred teens in a small Connecticut town who find themselves, and what's left of their town, alone in the world, with no adults to tell them what to do. And they have to reinvent, well, society. Civilization. Something bordering on democracy but challenged on various sides by those who used to have privilege and have it no longer, by potential food scarcity, by the need for order and understanding one's place in the universe. In this case, quite literally. Good performances all around even from some apparent first-timers. Good representation with, for example, one lead character who is gay and deaf. Nice commentary on the need for rules and enforcement. Good characterization and interplay thereof. And I don't want to spoil too much, but one misstep in story is fairly believable at the time that Allie would not want to rock the boat yet again because Lexi was mistreated by the guard. But I go negative. It's where I find my focus. If you want a singular fault, it is that the society is built for a short run, but maybe could have benefited from being a couple episodes shorter than the ten it is. There's a little placeholding about two-thirds of the way into the series, and then an abrupt time jump that we'll come back to in a moment. This should have been maybe more par for the course rather than the exception. That being said, the series manages to deal with suspense fairly well, and ends episodes with cliffhangers or lingering questions that make you want to come back. If you have the time, you will want to binge the show in one sitting rather than wait around for later. In fact, had the show come out one episode at a time, I can imagine picking it apart like we used to online when Lost was on. We would spend each intervening week discussing and debating the illusions and nuance of each episode. I can imagine that, instead of the fan fiction that does exist, the society would have webisodes following lesser characters, exploring more corners of the world it creates and the philosophical underpinnings of its themes. A good episode-by-episode -episode breakdown of the series would be fun to do, actually. But, then there's the negative. I'll break these down by character. Harry, a good antagonist early on, gets sidelined in story by a good bout of well-played depression, but in terms of the story structure, his absence is not as powerful as his presence. Lexi, again, interesting early on, but then I'm not sure she was part of the story for most of the episodes, only to come back as very vital to the final third. I imagine these two characters as really good foils for more debate along the way, or fewer episodes so their absence feels less constructed. And, I gotta talk about the time jump before the last few character problems. A couple episodes before the end, we jump forward five months. There are two reasons for this, and several reasons against. First, and most obvious reason, for, is that it gets us to Thanksgiving. These are high school seniors who disappeared at the end of the school year, so you have to jump to get there. And Thanksgiving offers good substance for plot and the in-story development of the larger group identity. But it could just have easily been the 4th of July and worked as an excuse for celebration of survival and an urge to come together, and without such a big jump. The reason the jump is a problem brings me to some more character problems. Grizz is a great character, and his budding relationship with Sam is lovely, but the time jump shortchanges it. Grizz shows an interest in Sam and in sign language, in an early episode, and they have a few meaningful interactions along the way. Then, time jump, and Grizz has learned a whole one sentence of sign language, and only now does their relationship turn into something more than it was. Which isn't all bad. But imagine if instead of several episodes covering that first month, then we jump forward, 
each episode jumps forward. Look up a, I believe it was BBC and HBO miniseries called Five Days. Series one, anyway. They did a second series that I never saw, so I don't know if I can recommend it. The series revolves around a woman's disappearance, and the episodes each focus on a specific day after the event. Day one. Day three. Day 28. Day 33. Day 79. The repeated use of time jumps means we miss the more subtle transformations and nuance and changes in plot and character, but it works as a whole because these time jumps mean we focus on the subtle transformations and nuance and changes. We're drawn toward what has changed, what has transformed. We get a similar problem with Luke and Helena. Before the time jump, Luke is proposed in the bedroom, casually, spontaneously. But then five months later, it's only now occurring to him to do more than a more traditional proposal with a rape. Clark, one of the guard, has a little more nuance before the time jump. He's reluctant to do the worst things the guard does. Speaks up from time to time. But then, if you've listened this far, I'll assume you've watched the series or don't care about spoilers. When the coup happens, Clark is relocated to essentially non-specific guard who just goes along with it given earlier shorter time jumps, or a much shorter time jump here, this change could be something worth exploring within the show, but there's no room for it when Harry and Lexi are suddenly back on stage and Campbell's role is getting bigger. The last character problem is Becca's pregnancy. This setup demands ongoing medical problems, and pregnancy is a good one. It teaches these teens that they need to find real roles to serve and learn how to do things that they depended on adults for before. But the deliberate mystery around who the father is in a miniseries, it should be one of the other characters, and it should affect the plot in a late episode. Instead, it makes for a silly, but uncommented upon, contrivance, because of the time jump. Thanksgiving comes and goes, a few weeks to the election, and this Jewish baby that is effectively without a father is born pretty close to Christmas. In a series that quotes the writing on the wall from Belshazzar's Feast in the Book of Daniel, many, many Tepu Farson, translated here as you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting, it's surprising that none of the characters remark on this birth, that everyone buys the lie that Sam is the father. But the lack of father is either a deliberate, and thus awkwardly unmentioned, choice, or a desperate setup for an unordered season two. That being said, I don't think the series needs a season two, and the final scene of the series adds very little either way. That everybody else is still alive back on Earth affects the plot we've been following not one bit. It plays like a big dramatic teaser, but Echoes is hollow after it's over. Cut. Perfect. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a Mandalorian. Why would you create such an abomination? This is the weapon of a coward. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Cut. That's a wrap. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Nothing is over! Nothing! You're still here? You just don't turn it off! It's over. Go home. Go. Go.